0: Our Old Testament reading comes from the sixty-third chapter of Isaiah. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them, according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, Surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely, and he became their Savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. Then he remembered the, old, the days of old of Moses and his people Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths? Like a horse in the desert, they did not stumble. Like livestock that go down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading comes from Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according
1: to St. Matthew, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when they had departed, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, She refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. And when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated for our hymn of the day. Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thanks for being here again on this uh, New Year's Eve service. Uh, Obviously, the service order is a little bit different. I think it's nice sometimes to mix things up and, and part of what the service does is it kind of builds upon itself and to receive the word of God in the middle of the worship service with the readings and the sermon is always good, but it's also nice to think about the fact that Christ is the word made flesh that comes to us and that's exactly what we receive in Holy Communion. So to have the word read, receive that word in Christ's body and blood, and then have the word preached is sometimes a nice, nice way to end out the year and, and think about a new beginning. In this New Year's uh, story that we have, we kind of continue to look at the early life of Christ, one of the, the early narratives in the life of Christ. We're not exactly sure. When all of this takes place and there's always the debate about do you put the wise men in with your nativity set or do you, I heard some people put the, nativ- the wise men on the other end of the room like they're still traveling to get to, to Bethlehem. Next week we're going to talk about the wise men, uh, but this week uh, we see the story of the flight to Egypt. It's, a, it's an early birth narrative that involves some travel. I don't know about you over the New Year's or over the holiday if you traveled at all. Our family just got back from Texas. Uh, We drove down there on Christmas day after services and just drove back yesterday. It It was a rough ride, driving back 13 hours, a lot of it in the rain yesterday. So it was a taxing travel, not nearly as taxing as the travel that we see in our story for today. It was a, a new child, a young child traveling with a new child. And we, we got the good news in our family uh, over the, the last, towards the end of the year here in the holidays, Marshall and Corey, my son and his, his wife, are expecting. So we're going to be grandparents. And uh, it's exciting to think about the birth of a new child and all of that traveling. And I know with, with the traveling, Beth was thinking about Corey having to sit in a car for 13 hours and traveling, being pregnant. She's due in, in June. So we have this, this kind of uh, idea of a child and having to travel a long way with this child. There's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of um, feeling wrapped up in this story, especially when you think about what happened in Bethlehem with Herod. There's a, a lot of, of emotions and, and anger or, or maybe just injustice or you think about all that's wrapped up in this story and you say how can God put all of this in the birth story I mean we've got we've got murder and revenge and we've got deception and and it it takes us back to Egypt with slavery and and slaughter of the innocents back then and you think where is God working in all of this it leads us to those types of questions. And, and maybe you have some of those questions on in 2022. And ever since the pandemic hit, we kind of ask some of those same questions. Where is, is God working in all of this? And the assurance that we have from God's word today is that God is always working for us, especially as we know in the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. As we turn to scripture today, we see that you consider the fear and betrayal that's going on in this. Injustice and slavery, unfaithfulness, innocent bloodshed. Matthew has a way of letting us know that this is all a part of a bigger plan. Matthew, more than any other gospel writer, connects the story of Jesus to what God has been doing in the past. He quotes the Old Testament more than any other writer. And what we see over and over is this story of God working on behalf of his people. And it comes to fruition in a baby born in Bethlehem. And so we pick up the the story probably a few years in. And if we thought it was going to be an easy road after maybe a rocky start of Joseph not being able to find a place for his wife to give birth, if we think that things are going to smooth out after that, well, it only gets more dangerous. Immediately in our story today, we have a warning from an angel. Angels had had already shown up in the birth story earlier, talking to Mary and talking to Joseph. And this time an angel comes to Joseph in a dream and tells him that he needs to take the young family and flee from where they are the wise men have asked Herod a few questions. And as I said, we'll talk about the wise men next week. But apparently a king has been born in this region and Herod has to search out this new threat to his power. I mean, he's the king. So he tells the wise men, can you find out where he is so that I can go and um, you know worship him, wink, wink. Not so much. But the angel made it clear that Herod was actually searching to destroy the child. Matthew tells us that they leave in the night, in a hurry, immediately, to escape. And they go to all places to Egypt. Now there should be all kinds of bells and whistles going off in your head when you you hear that there's Egypt in in a biblical story. Egypt has been a part of God's story in the past. We'll break that down in just a minute. But when you think logistically, why would you go to Egypt? What is it about Egypt? I mean, it seems like an odd place, but it had a very large Jewish community at this time. And it was a a friendly neighbor to Judea. It was still under Roman control, but it was outside of the direct control of Herod. So it was a safe place for the young family to go. But it was more than just a political refuge that they found in Egypt. Matthew makes it clear that there was a more divine heavenly reason for the flight to Egypt. You see, it was predicted in Scripture. In Hosea chapter 11, to be exact, the verse says that out of Egypt I will call my son from the book of Hosea. Now, let's take a moment to reflect on what we know about Egypt from Scripture. It wouldn't take us long If I went around and said, okay, hands up, what do you know about Egypt for for us to kind of put together the story? The connection between Israel and, and Egypt goes way back. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, if you remember that story from the Old Testament. And the rest of the family moves there because of a famine. And there's great celebration. But the glory days are forgotten because the children of Israel... Of Jacob are enslaved for 600 years in Egypt. But God raises up a deliverer, Moses, and he himself avoids the first, what's called the slaughter of the innocents, as all the male Jewish babies are commanded to be executed by Pharaoh, because he also sees a threat to his power as the Jews are getting stronger and stronger. So he has the the first, or the, uh, the male Jewish babies executed in the river Moses is an infant at that time and he's placed in the river Nile and he's saved through that water even though there was death all around him by his brothers and sisters and cousins and, and, but Moses is redeemed God was at work bringing about his deliverance Moses is taken then into the royal family by Pharaoh's daughter as she finds him in the water. And Moses will later go to Pharaoh and on behalf of his people, he'll demand their release. He leads them through the Red Sea again, through water, with the death of Pharaoh's army behind him. And it's in this story of deliverance and redemption that we find the defining moment for Israel in their history and their relationship to God as their redeemer and deliverer. Matthew makes this connection of the saving work in Exodus with the story of Jesus as he brings in this reference from Hosea, that out of Egypt, I will call my son. And when you look at the context of the verse of Hosea, it's fascinating. We see a picture of God's love for his people in the midst of the worst of circumstances. If you might know the story, if you've heard the story of Hosea, it's an extremely fascinating story. Hosea is a prophet who is commanded by God to marry a prostitute. And Hosea loves her deeply. He cares for her, but the love isn't returned. The imagery is that God, who loves Israel, is not given back the love by his people. Yet through it all, God's love never stops. His love sacrifices, it's taken advantage of, but God never stops loving. The story of Hosea is a story of God working on behalf of his people. And God tells, reminds Israel all that he's done and he tells them the story in Hosea chapter 11. You hear the voice of a father the deep love of a father for his children, as God says this, from Hosea 11. The more that they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to Baals and burning, <clears throat> and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they, they did not know that I healed them. And later the Lord continues, How can I give up on you, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. You get this image of of a father who has so much love stored up for their child and he wants to pour it out, he wants to lavish it upon his child. But whenever he tries, the child turns away. The urge to respond in anger and vengeance is overcome by God's grace and forgiveness. When we consider that Matthew quotes this section of the Old Testament in reference to the story of Jesus, we see that the connection underneath all of this is a God who loves and is working on behalf of his people through Jesus. Then we have another reference in Matthew from the prophet Jeremiah, and it's this. A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. The context that we have in this, in the midst of the children in Bethlehem being killed as Herod is trying to to do away with this threat to to his throne. It's the matriarch Rachel. She was the favorite wife of Jacob. She was the mother of Joseph and Benjamin. And Rachel is no longer living, but the prophet Jeremiah is given this vision of Rachel who's weeping over Israel, reaping over her children because they're in captivity the nation of israel is in captivity in babylon the depth of her anguish is deep as any mother would have over the loss of her child and there are jewish mothers in bethlehem that are also mourning the loss of their children because of what herod has done rachel's type of weeping is one that that seems to come when there is no hope The nation of Israel has seemed to have disappeared in captivity in Babylon. Rachel's family seems to be completely lost. She refuses to be comforted because they are no more. But that was not the end of the story for Israel. And this is not the end of the story for those who believe in the promises that God has given. You see, the depth of emotion in this story, the slaughter of the innocents, and the reference to Rachel's weeping can be hard to stomach We can recoil at the violence, the injustice, the innocent bloodshed. How could God let this be a part of the Christmas story? Is this really how God works? Is he even working at all? Does God realize what he's put these people through? Could he have any idea how they feel? The answer is yes. In Jesus Christ, the Father has a son on whom he can completely lavish his love. He is the perfect son that God has commanded and hoped for. He lives the life, the abundant life that God has in store for his people. And God loves him perfectly. Can you imagine the thought of giving up that kind of son to death? Can you realize that it would be what, what it would be to forsake such a son. And for what? For whom? It was all done for us. Jesus is the Holy One in our midst that's mentioned in Hosea 11. He's the one who would come. He could have come in wrath because of our rebellion, because of our infidelity towards the Father. He comes in the midst of death all around him, and he comes with compassion and tenderness he comes knowing the violence he comes to be unjustly accused and he comes to receive innocent bloodshed he knows what we've been through he knows how it feels he came through the waters of a woman through the birth waters he came in ministry through the waters of john's baptism and he comes to us through the waters of our baptism, putting to death the old Adam and raising us to new life in Christ. He came as God working for us in the midst of this Christmas story. I had the chance earlier today to go to the hospital to visit a newborn that was born yesterday. And it was so exciting. I got to hold the baby for a while and smell it. The new life is, is just, it's, there's something about it. And there's excitement looking forward to what's going to come. And the parents are happy and we're happy. And, but we don't know what's in store for this child. Blessings, I know there will be blessings, but there's going to be pain and there's going to be hurt. And we have the assurance in this Christmas story again that Jesus Christ came as a baby in the flesh into this pain to overcome it and to remind us that he is always with us. He will be with us through his Holy Spirit throughout this 2023 with his grace and his love, not because we deserve it. He didn't come in vengeance. He came with mercy, working on behalf of his people, working on behalf of you and me. This coming year and all the way through eternity.
0: Amen.